are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24, downmyportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account at LockedOnDiamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. For today's episode, I want to start off by talking about last night's start with Luke Weaver on the mound. Not the best Luke Weaver start, so we'll talk about him mostly. Then we got a crossover once again with Ryan, host of Locked on Mets. We'll be talking a whole lot about the Mets, DeGrom's injury, Francisco Lindor, and just previewing the series uh, as a whole. So stay tuned for that. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Locker Room because this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this weekend. I think I'm going to go live on Sunday after the D-backs win. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Now, Let's jump right into the conversation. Let's talk about last night's Diamondbacks game because I know you guys watched it. It was a tough one to watch. D-backs, they get shut out in last night's game, not able to score a run, only muster five hits, so the offense went ice cold, drew drew three walks compared to 11 strikeouts. So uh, the, the Marlins... Pitching staff was honestly just putting it together with glue and scotch tape. Uh, they, they were just kind of going with the committee in the game yesterday, and their committee worked. They had five different pitchers come in to complete uh, the shutout of the D-backs, which is something they can never do. They could get If the D-backs have five pitchers in the game, I can almost guarantee you three of them are giving up at least one earned run, but... My main takeaway from this game is not really about the offense because the offense is going to come and go. Uh, The offense is still pretty elite. The offense is still, uh, I have to look at the numbers, but they're still top two, top three in the National League in runs scored, even after scoring zero yesterday. So not really too worried about the offense. The offense just got back at Christian Walker. Ketel Marte is not back. It just got back at Timmy LaCastro. So the offense have had a lot of uh, inconsistency when it comes to who's playing and who's not but the offense has been consistent the last few weeks in terms of putting runs on the board so I I, there's not really a lot I can say about the offense they were cold last night they've been cold the last couple games but I think they'll break out of it and be fine what I really want to talk about from this game is Luke Weaver and his struggles because after that start against the Reds we thought Luke Weaver was at least on track to being the 2019 version of himself I was hyped I was hopping on Jeff the lockdown host of the the lockdown Reds host I was hopping on his locker room talking crap talking crap on Javi host of lockdown Padres his locker room I was just going from locker room to locker room talking crap talking about how the D-backs are on the rise talking about how Luke Weaver's back our rotation looks nasty with Gallon and Luke Weaver now but 
I guess I was too early to the party, and there's nothing wrong with being too early to the party. I rather, you know, people like to show up fashionably late, but I want to get there early, make sure I got my drink in, and you know, things like that. But for Luke Weaver, for his party, I, I think this is one I might have to skip out on because Luke Weaver. He has not been good this season. And it's actually sad to say Luke Weaver this season actually might be kind of worse than what he was in 2020. I know it's hard to believe as we've seen. Uh, we, we saw how bad he was last year. We know he didn't have at least one start. We finished six games. He did have his second start of the season against the Reds where he went seven innings through one hit, uh, allowed one hit and was just pretty much locked in and dominant in that game. But some of the numbers from this year are pretty concerning, and some of the numbers from this year are the worst of his career, even worse than last year, because when you look at his average exit velocity, it's sitting at 92.2 miles per hour this season. It's never been above 89.9 before in his career, and that was in 2019. Uh, the launch angle this year, 16.1 degrees, second worst right after last year's 19.3 degrees. The sweet spot percentage that he's allowing, 42.7%. He's never had it higher than 37% in his career. Hard hit percentage right now is at 46 per, uh, it's at 46.1% hard hit percentage. It's never been above 42% in his career so a lot of the numbers right now for Luke Weaver are just career highs and not in a good way if you're just looking at Luke Weaver's last three starts he's pitched 13 innings during that time and guess how many earned runs he's given up during that 13 inning span I'll wait I'll give you guys a second got your answer did you guess 13 earned runs that's how many earned runs he's given up in the last 13 innings guys 13, 13 for 13. That is atrocious. That is one earned run and inning on average. Even I can do that math. And when you're just looking at some of his splits, Luke Weaver is a guy who has to be ahead of the count because when he's fallen behind hitters this year, he's getting absolutely crushed. And you would expect your numbers to be worse when you're uh, behind a batter as opposed to ahead. But when he's behind a batter this year, the opposing batter is batting 333 with 1267 OPS. But when Luke Weaver's ahead, it's a 667 OPS again. So if Luke Weaver's falling behind in counts, it the, the the chances of the count, uh the, the chances of the at bat going in his way is uh very unlikely. Uh it's actually a third of a chance that the batter's gonna get a hit if he's ahead of the count. So uh Luke Weaver needs to clean up that area. Yes, you're gonna fall behind in counts, but you can't automatically uh, just con concede in that situation. Really, the biggest issue probably for Luke Weaver is just he doesn't really have a variety right now in his pitching arsenal because we know Luke Weaver, uh, the pitch he's really been trying to work in is his breaking ball, that curveball. It was a pitch he uh, used a lot in 2020. Uh, I, I don't want to say a lot, a lot, but he did use it in 2020. And it wasn't a pitch that was super effective for him. He used it more in 2018 than 2020. Uh, he used it a little bit in 2019 as well. And it's just a pitch that he's abandoned this year. Now, it wasn't always an effective pitch for him, especially in 2020. Uh, the batting average against his curveball on their entire season was 500. Batters were uh, 
what is this five for 10 in at bats against his curveball in 2020 so his curveball was probably his least effective pitch but it gave just a different dimension to his arsenal i guess even though it wasn't effective it just kept you guessing because he only thrown his curveball twice this entire season he's been pretty much fastball changeup, and mixes his cutter in there as well but a cutter it's basically it's a pseudo fastball i guess it's a fastball with more run on it you throw it a little bit softer but he's only thrown his cutter 38 times this season compared to the 332 times he's thrown his fastball and the 158 times he's thrown his changeup. He's thrown his fastball 63% of the time and his changeup 30% of the time. So if you do the math, he's throwing those two pitches 90% of the time. And it's just too easy for batters to sit back and just wait for their favorite pitch. If batters like to go with the hard stuff, then they can wait for that fastball because they know that's going to be the main pitch Luke Weaver throws. If they like the off-speed pitch, then they can wait for the changeup as well. No matter what pitch they like to hit, fastball, changeup, they can just wait on it because Luke Weaver is only going to go with two pitches unless he decides to mix in that cutter. Luke Weaver might need to bring the curveball back because right now I thought the two-pitch arsenal was working for Luke Weaver, but it is not. The dude is getting hit harder more than ever, and batters are just locking in more than ever. And Luke Weaver, he only threw 81 pitches last night, but Tori Lavello felt like he was ready to take Luke Weaver out of the game just after four innings because this was Luke, Weaver, Luke Weaver's final line on the night. Four innings pitch, six hits, six earn runs, six strikeouts, a satanic line of 666. Now Luke Weaver ERA is 607 on the year. Last year it was 648, I believe. So Luke Weaver's getting dangerously close to what his ERA was last season. And if you take out that start, against the Reds where he was pretty much dominant in that game. Uh, he's been actually worse than what he was last year. So th- this this uh, Luke Weaver saga, it's an interesting one to follow. That's why on yesterday's pod, Arm and I really had a debate. Actually, was it even a debate because we agreed. Arm and I really would choose Taylor Widener going forward over Luke Weaver because he just has a higher floor and he doesn't get shelled consistently like a Luke Weaver does. So The D-backs right now, when you look back at that Paul Goldschmidt trade, Carson Kelly is the centerpiece of the deal. And the only reason why that deal is uh, at least a little bit respectable because the way Luke Weaver has been pitching the last two seasons, it makes you want to trade Weaver back to the Cardinals. Now, we'll get into that conversation with Ryan of Locked On Mets and discuss this upcoming series. But first... I want to talk to you guys about Rock Auto because with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts a car will ever need a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tan lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. 
This episode is brought to you by Lockroom. Lockroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, others' fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms for Locked On Diamondbacks once a week. Yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. Lockroom is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Lockroom for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course reacting to big news or rumors. You'll have a chance to chat with me and might even have a chance to be featured on the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast through our Lockroom conversations. Be sure to join me this Sunday as I'll be hosting a room after the D-backs beat the Mets. Go download the free Lockroom app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Miller Thomas to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live this Sunday. I can't hear. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the D-backs. See you there. Locker room changing the way we talk sports. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into that conversation with Lockdown Mets host Ryan. All right, D-backs fans, back on the pod once again. We got Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets. Ryan, say what's up to the people. It's been a minute. How are things going? You guys are almost 500. Good year so far, right? Yeah, well, the D-backs uh, just lost today, so now they're a game below 500. But, hey, that's okay, because if they were in the NL East, they would actually be second in that division. And before the sweep of the Marlins, they would have been first in the NL East, despite being fourth in their own division. So that's actually yeah. where I want to start this conversation, because what is going on with that division, Ryan? I was talking about this with Arm Lane, because the Marlins, they're the only team with a positive run differential in that division, and before this series against the D-backs, they were in last place with the only positive run differential in that division. So I want to hear your perspective on it. What's going on with that division? Why are so many of those teams like at or below 500 with a negative run differential? You know, every year we do this. This is my third year on the network where we all talk, you know, the NLEs hosts and we're all hyped about the season, how great these teams are going to be. Is it the best division in baseball? And then all of these teams show up flat each year. So I feel like we got to, it might just be that East coast bias, you know, these big media markets that hype up teams like the Mets and the Phillies, but, you know, just specifically looking at what I've seen watching some of these head to head games, it's not a lot of great offense right now. That's been a big thing. I think, you know, each team has their own set of circumstances, why they're struggling for the Mets. It's just been no power at all. And, uh, you know, that's why they just fired their hitting coaches. But, you know, they haven't had any power. They haven't hit with runners in scoring position. And if you're not hitting home runs and you're not hitting with runners in scoring position, you're probably not scoring a lot of runs. And that's what's been going on for the Mets. Yeah. Speaking of you guys firing your coaches, I saw Manny Ramirez. He's throwing out some feelers of trying to become the Mets uh, next hitting coach. How do you feel about that? I thought he was looking to play, to be honest with you. I mean, with Manny Ramirez, he's ready to play. It doesn't matter if he's 50, 60. That dude is always ready, uh, ready to strap on some cleats, honestly. I think he was saying, look, I can come up with a runner on second and nobody out and, and get you an RBI. I think that's what Manny was saying, if I had to read, read between the lines there. Yeah, if, 
the universal DH was still in effect. Hey, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be afraid to give Manny a shot. That dude is still going to be smashing bombs. I mean, I think he played pretty recently. It wasn't in the major league, of course, but I'm pretty sure he was in some independent league as recently as last year, even though he's like 55 years old. So Manny Ramirez, he's always going to be uh, Manny being Manny. But you talked about the Mets offense. It's uh, right now looking at the NL uh, stats the Mets are dead last in runs scored. You mentioned home runs. Uh, why, why can't they put runs on the board? It seems specifically when DeGrom's on the mound, it seems like the offense really disappears. And this just seems like to be a problem with the Mets the last couple of years. Their offense really not clicking, even though they have some pretty good guys, I feel like, in their lineup with Lindor, Pete Alonzo. I like Dominic Smith, even though he doesn't play every day. So, why, why is there such an inability to score runs from the Mets? Yeah, I think right now it's so hard to pinpoint. I mean, you know, if I could figure it out, I'm sure they could. But you just have so many guys who have gotten off to a slow start, Lindor being one. Dominic Smith is another one. He's playing out in left field. And the reason why you're squeezing his bat in the lineup is because – or the reason why you're putting his glove out in left field, I guess I should say, his, his inability to play left is because you expect him to be a big RBI guy, and that's not happening. So – there's just a lot of guys who got off to a really rough start for a while. The excuse was the Mets had such an inconsistent schedule where they had Mm. so many, first off their first series, you had the nationals have a COVID outbreak. So that pushed their season back. Then you had rain outs, a snow out. So that was kind of the excuse for a while, but now I think the excuses had to kind of go away and they had to figure some things out. I think we've seen some signs of them turning a corner and there is some guys like Pete Alonzo and Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto, who have really started to come together. But really, they're looking at Lindor right now, James McCann. They're two big offseason acquisitions that just have given them nothing offensively. Yeah, and I love talking about my fantasy team on this podcast. I had Brandon Nemo on my team for a little bit, but I recently dropped him. It wasn't like he was playing bad. His batting average is pretty high this year. He just hasn't really done much outside of just like hidden singles and things like that. Not really any power or anything like that. So I think I dropped him. But Francisco Lindor, I've talked about it, you know, on Twitter with you. Uh, I drafted him. I'm like, why is this guy not performing? So you know what I did, Ryan? I traded Francisco Lindor pretty early into the season. But it was a one-for-one swap. I got Xander Bogarts back, who has been absolutely crushing it so I feel like I'm winning that deal right now but I know Lindor he's been on like a 0 for 25 streak or something I think he broke it today so why do you think he's struggling so much I mean I don't know if you could pinpoint to one thing do you think I've heard some discussion about maybe it's because he switched leagues come from the American League to the National League what's going on with Lindor because this dude is a legit superstar shortstop and we just haven't really seen it yet this year Ryan and I will continue that conversation, but first, I want to talk to you guys about Sports Trade because have you guys heard about Sports Trade? It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. This is amazing. Sports Trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robinhood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players just like real stocks. Finally, a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. And they just added baseball to the platform, so check it out today. Making money with Sports Trade is as simple is simple as player value rises and falls based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. The more points scored, the higher their value goes. Two, good old supply and demand, baby. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. When you're ready to buy shares, take that penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who always is a solid performer. 
instantly buy and sell as many shares in the in as many players as you like, just like the stock market. Now watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Simply go to sportstrade.com, watch the How It Works video, and then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new way of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the game at sportstrade.com. Bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online in your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their run to the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code LOCKDOWN. All right, all right, all right. Let's wrap up the pod. You know, I think early on in the year, I don't think there was anything I could really pinpoint in this swing that told me, like, there's a reason why it's happening. He was still, and he still kind of is, having good at-bats. He's still at a point where his strikeout rate's really low, his walk rate's high. Like, he's doing all the things you want when it comes to plate discipline, but they're just, first of all, he also has hit into some bad luck. I should mention that as well. There has been a lot of times where he'll he's just hitting line drives at people. But recently, over the last week, it feels like it's really started to get into his head. And I think the biggest example of that was game one of the doubleheader on Wednesday. He took it out into the field. He made an error at short, which you never see. There was another play where a throw came into second from the outfield where usually Lindor would have made the pick and tagged the runner out. Didn't make that play. Wasn't necessarily an error, but just the way that he was carrying himself it just felt like there was something off there. And so he got the second game off of the doubleheader. First time the Mets had benched him this year. And today he drew, I think, three walks and got a base hit. Mm. So maybe he's starting to turn it around. But I do think at a certain point, you hear about how much you're struggling every day with the media. The yep. fans are booing you. You're in New York. You just got that huge contract. We've seen this story play out with players with the Mets in the past. So hopefully this is a, a story that will change really soon. Yeah, and I've seen some discussion about maybe dropping him in the lineup until he figures out his, uh, you know, his struggles. We've seen that a lot uh, in baseball. Sometimes these big time free agents uh, teams sign them, then they struggle start the season. You have to drop them down to that seventh spot. So how would you feel if the Mets did that where they were putting Lindor in, in that maybe seventh hole or eighth hole for a little bit in the lineup? You know, I think that. I think he's going to turn it around and I don't think they will do that because I, I think that they are right now trying to continue to pump him with confidence. And I don't think that they really do want to drop him all the way down that low, but once they get some of their guys back from injury, if he's still struggling, then maybe you can see a change. You know, I don't see you batting Jonathan VR and, you know, Kevin Pillar ahead of Lindor, but when Nimmo comes back, when Davis comes back and he's still struggling, maybe that's something they would do. Right now, because of the injuries that the Mets have, they, I don't really see a reason why they'd have to drop him out of that top 
the lineup there. Yeah, and one guy who is injured right now is the ace, you know, the the fan favorite, the 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 franchise star, Jacob DeGrom. And talking off uh, off air before we got on here, I thought the D-backs were going to get a chance to, you know, miss the next DeGrom start, not see him in this series. But it sounds like he actually might be back this weekend. What can you tell me about Jacob DeGrom and his status right now? So he threw, he played catch uh, yesterday or today, actually. Tomorrow, I think or on Friday, he's going to be throwing a bullpen. And the idea would be that he could then go on Sunday. So I don't believe your D-backs are going to miss him. Uh, there is a chance that they'll be cautious and maybe you'll get lucky and they'll push him back to Monday. But right now, I think the way it's going to slate out, it should be David Peterson on Friday, likely Joe Lucchese on, two, on Saturday, and then uh, DeGrom on Sunday. Now, I want to test your Jacob deGrom love because I got a few comparisons, a few questions here for you about Jacob deGrom. And the first one I want to know is, do you believe he's the best player in New York? You got Lindor on the Mets. You got Judge and Stan, Garrett Cole on the Yankees. Do you believe Jacob deGrom is the best player in New York? Absolutely. I could not host Locked on Mets and answer anything different to that question. What do you think I'm going to say? Come on. The fans know I have to say Jacob deGrom is the best player in New York. And if you look at what he's done since 2018, it's pretty easy to make that argument. Well, then I'm going to ask you a question that might, you know, mess with your emotions a little bit, because I want to know, can he go down as the best Mets pitcher uh, ever? Honestly, can he be the best pitcher in the Mets or, uh, organization? Because right now, if you had to take Jacob deGrom out of it, who would you say is the best Mets pitcher to ever don a, a Mets uniform? It's obviously the franchise, Tom Seaver. And I think this conversation, it's very similar to, you know, when you're talking basketball and there's the people who will never say that Michael Jordan's not the go. Like it's one of those things where who you watch is who you're going to lean towards. So being someone who never saw Tom Seaver, I can start to stack up the careers and say, you know, Jacob DeGrom has a chance to be that guy that is the best ever. I think what might be the great separator in that debate is if DeGrom finishes his career with the Mets because the Mets did trade Tom Seaver and, you know, he spent, I want to say four or five years with the Reds and a year with the White Sox. I think he even had some time with the Red Sox. So I think if DeGrom spent his entire career with the Mets and stayed on this level for four or five more seasons, I think that he's going to have a pretty good case to be the best Mets starter ever. Yeah, I'm looking at Tom Seaver's baseball reference right now. He played 12 years with the Mets, but he played 10 years outside of the Mets organization. Wow, too. Yeah, because he played until he was 41 years old. So this dude was in baseball for a long time. So, yeah, uh, I can't really argue against that. I, I think that's a big case. And do you think DeGrom will be a Met for life? I know he has a contract going till age 36. So I'm not sure if he'd be ready to leave, you know, at, at that advanced age. But, hey, it's another three years of him going out there absolutely dominating dudes. But stacking up losses because the team can't score not even one run uh, uh, you know during a game I mean do you think DeGrom could eventually leave the Mets if he wants to go see some greener pastures I think when it comes to his contract what you have to look at more is he has an opt-out after next season mm. and if DeGrom doesn't get hurt he's going to exercise that opt-out because why wouldn't he yeah but he has talked about that idea of playing with one team for his entire career. It's been interesting because DeGrom, always a very humble guy, never really was one to talk about himself much. But recently, we've seen him kind of make some of his goals public. And he's talked about wanting to be a quote-unquote inner circle Hall of Famer, 
one of those guys that's really considered one of the greatest to ever do it. And he's talked about wanting to spend his entire career with one organization. So I think that as much as fans probably talk about impending free agents like Noah Syndergaard and Marcus Stroman, I think DeGrom's going to get a huge contract following this season that should take him to the rest of his career. Yeah, and if you just had to guess what that contract would look like, what do you think? Do you think it would be one of those deals where it might be more mm, like a like a Trevor Bauer short-term deal, maybe a five-year, you know, just a fat contract where it's like $35 million a year? Or do you think they would give him, because he is a little bit older, do you still think they would give him one of those eight-year deals where it's like $300 million? Which way do you think the Mets would lean? Because, hey, new ownership, Stephen Cohen, I mean, it doesn't look like they're afraid to spend money anymore. I've put the, my projection has been a five-year, $200 million contract where he'd get 40 a year for five years. I think that would take him through age 39, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. So I think that would make a lot of sense and uh, you would see where you go from there, but at least he would get paid as much as Bauer, more than Cole and four or five-year deal. And he's worth every penny for what he's done over the last couple of years. That's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Remember, you got all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Boskowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. That's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for the best Diamondbacks news, coverage, and insight. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy out there. Deuces!